Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another one of our podcasts here in our primetime series from Calvary Baptist Church here in Gaylord, Michigan. The original air date of this podcast is Sunday, November 21st in the year 2021. It is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We have been working through the book of Daniel, and tonight we're ready to take on Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, relatively short verse, relatively straightforward reading, although there's a couple of interesting details that we'll want to dig into. If you've not already read Daniel chapter 10, I want to encourage you to stop the recording here in just a second and take the time to read it. Read it perhaps a couple different times through, and then we'll continue. So stop the recording for just a moment right now. And we are back. We're going to read Daniel chapter 10, but first let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we continue to work through the book of Daniel, one of the prophetic books from the Old Testament, help us, Lord, to hear what you are trying to say, not only to people then, but to people today. Help us to not read meaning into it. Help us to come to Scripture on its own terms. Give us insight, Lord. Give us wisdom. Give us our full trust of you, because you are the only one who is worthy of that trust. We ask these things in your name, Lord. Amen. All right, so we are going to now take a look at Daniel chapter 10. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through Daniel chapter 10 with you, and I'm going to kind of bounce back and forth between the verse and Uh, helping us to apply it and understand it. And then we'll come back and we'll look more specifically at one detail that is covered here within the passages. So Daniel chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. In the third year of King Cyrus, Cyrus king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. This is the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, and Daniel has another vision here. He understands it concerns events that are certain to happen in the future, events during times of war and great hardship. Now it continues on in verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh, nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till the whole three weeks were fulfilled. Here with verses 2 and 3, Daniel saying, When the vision comes to me, he had been in mourning for three whole weeks. At the time he hadn't hadn't eaten any rich food, no meat or wine crossed his lips, no fragrant lotions were used until those three weeks had passed. These were... um, Fragrant lotions would have been signs of feasting and rejoicing. Daniel was in a a state of mourning for three weeks. So that's why he didn't use any of these fragrant lotions. Now, verse 4. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, four and twentieth day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedekai, You wonder about what time of year is that? Well, if we translate it to the modern calendar, it would be somewhere around April 23rd. Okay? 
He's by the side of the great river. Hedekal would be the Tigris River, the river Tigris. Verse 5, Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. There with, first, with verse 5, he's really saying he sees a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of gold around his, around his waist. In verse 6, he says that his body was like the burl, and his face was as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire. His arms and his feet were like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words were like the, mult like the voice of a multitude. Here with um, verse 6, it's going on to describe his, his body looks like a polished gem. Do you remember in the message a couple weeks ago about Ezekiel's vision of the wheel? and the living creatures. It describes the living wheel there as being like a burl. You know, a very precious stones around it that shone, you know, were shining in, in a way that is hard to describe. Okay? This man that he sees, his body, uh, he has a face that flashes like lightning, his eyes flamed like torches, his arms and his feet shone like polished brass, his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. It's very descriptive language. Again, you're seeing here in visions. Sometimes in visions, there are some honest differences about what the meaning and application is. And we get to, um, to verse 7. In verse 7 where it says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them. And so they fled to hide themselves. Daniel saying, there were others with me, but they didn't see anything. Only I saw it. But they were suddenly terrified, and they ran away to hide. In verse 8, therefore I'm left alone, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Um, think of it like this. He's left all alone to see this vision, and literally his legs probably just kind of went out from underneath him. His face, his face, his face grew pale. He was very weak. And then in verse 9, it says, Yet I heard the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, there was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Um, he hears this individual speak. And when he hears the sound of his voice, Daniel literally faints and lays there <laughs> face down, just flat on the ground. He's so overwhelmed at not only the sight, but at the sounds and of the whole, the whole experience. It would have been as if he is seeing something that he just does not even have the capacity to fully understand. He's so overwhelmed by it. It's hard for us to imagine something like that. But this is, this, this is what these words are trying to describe. Now in verse 10, it continues on. It says, And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood 
trembling. So here in verse 10 to, to 12, this, a hand touches Daniel and lifts him up, and he's still trembling, but lifts him up to his hands and his knees. And the voice says to him, Daniel, you're precious to God. Listen carefully to what I'm going to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. And well, he said this to Daniel. Daniel stands up, but he's still trembling. Then in verse 12, then he said, Daniel, don't be afraid. Fear not, Daniel. It goes on to say, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Your prayers have been answered. I have come to answer your prayers. Pretty powerful, pretty powerful passages here. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, this is one of the things that we're going to circle back on in just a few minutes to look at a little more in depth. But let's start out here by taking a look, taking a look back at verse 12. It is said to Daniel, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. The King James Version words it by saying, For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. And then it's here, verse 13, This prince of the kingdom of Persia, says, for 21 days, this spirit prince of the kingdom blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, comes to help him, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. We're going to finish the chapter, and then we're going to come back to what's with this spirit prince. So verse 14, now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words to me, I set my face toward the ground and I became dumb. Uh, by dumb, it's referring to the fact that he was unable to speak. We wouldn't translate it that way today, of course. But that's what the term dumb actually referred to 400 years ago when this translation first came out. Now verse 16, And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips, then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, my vision, my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained, retained no strength. In everyday words, verse 16 is saying that the one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and I began to speak and said to the one standing in front of me, I'm filled with such anguish because of the vision I've seen. My Lord, I'm very weak. Verse 17, How can the servant of this, servant of this my Lord, talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remained no strength in me, neither is there breath in me. There in verse 17, he's saying, How can, how can somebody like me I'm just your servant. How can I talk to you, Lord? I can hardly even breathe. My strength is gone. He's still so overwhelmed. 
at what he has seen and what he senses. There are probably no words for Daniel to describe what has happened here. Then in verse 18, Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and strengthened me, and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. In verse 20, Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. There's this figure again, the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. That's referring to Greece. And then verse 21, But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. So let's really go back and look at the verse 20 to the end of the chapter, those last two verses, 20 and 21. It's this conversation that um, Daniel is having with the man in the vision. The one who says, he comes and he touches Daniel and he feels his strength returning. And the man says, don't be afraid, for you're very precious to God. Be encouraged. Be strong. And as these words are spoken, Daniel feels strength coming back to him. And he says, please speak to me, for you've strengthened me. And this man in this vision replies and basically is saying, Do you know why I've come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece is going to come. Meanwhile, I will tell you what's written in the book of truth. And no one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. Michael, referring to Michael the archangel. So it's, it's very mysterious, and it continues right on into chapter 11, which obviously is what we'll go to next week. So let's really address the, the one that ought to stand out in our mind, and that's what's going on here. Well, as I really look at it, I would say that Daniel's final vision here is in roughly the year 536 B.C., in it, he's given further insight into this great spiritual battle between God's people and those who want to destroy them. There's more detailed information on the future, specifically the struggle between the kings of the south and the kings of the north. And these are passages yet to come here in Daniel. Before this vision, King Cyrus allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem. But Daniel stayed in Babylon. Sometimes people wonder why he didn't return to Jerusalem with them. He, he might have been too old to make the long, hazardous journey. At this point, he was 80 years old or more. And it could be that his duties, remember, he had a very high position working for the king. They may have prevented him. Or it could be that God told him to just stay behind and complete the work that he was called to do. That passage in chapter 3, Daniel would refrain from eating certain foods or using fragrant lotions. These were signs of feasting and rejoicing. Daniel was in a period of mourning, remember. But then Daniel has this vision. It's of a heavy, heavenly being. Quote, the man that he sees is a, a heavenly being. Some people, some Bible commentators, believe this is a pre-incarnate Christ. 
sometimes called a Christophany. Others think it was an angel because, because he required Archangel Michael's help, as referenced in Daniel 10, 13. In either case, Daniel catches a glimpse of the battle between good and evil, the behind-the-scenes battle that is going on. And he's frightened by this vision, but the messenger, whoever it is, reassures him. Daniel loses his speech, he's so overwhelmed, but the messenger's touch restores it. Daniel feels weak and helpless, but the messenger's words strengthen them. God can bring us healing when we're hurt, peace when we're troubled, strength when we're weak. Trust God, just as Daniel trusted God. And then continuing on, verse 12 and 13, although God sent this messenger to Daniel, there's a powerful spiritual being, this spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, that actually detains the messenger for three weeks. Now, how do we figure that one out? We'll get there in just a moment. And then at the end, the heavenly warfare, verse 20 and 21, was to be directed against Persia and later Greece. Each of these nations was to have power over God's people. Both Persia and Greece were represented by these evil spirit princes, or I think we would interpret that demons. But God is in control of the past, present, and future. All of the events are recorded in the, the book of truth, as it would be referred to. So in the few minutes that we have remaining in this podcast, let's take a look at who is this, this prince of Persia, this spirit prince of Persia in Daniel chapter 10. Well, I'm going to read from another source that I often use in preparing different messages. This prince of Persia is only mentioned in this chapter. It's the only place. He is probably an apocalyptic vision, which means that he may be partially symbolic. We don't know. Most likely it's a reference to an evil spiritual entity that held a certain amount of authority over the ancient kingdom of Persia. And the prophet Daniel receives this troubling vision concerning a great war to come. That's in Daniel 10.1. And he goes into this three-week period of mourning, fasting, and prayer. In response to his prayer, God sends this heavenly messenger to explain the vision to him. But the messenger is delayed for these same three weeks, he explains to Daniel, the prince of the Persian kingdom has resisted me 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, comes to him and says, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Well, later on, the angel speaking to Daniel predicts further fighting. He basically says in verses Daniel 10, verse 20 and 21, that soon I'm going to return again to fight the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece is going to come. But first, I'm going to tell you what's written in the book of truth. And he goes on to even say, no one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. Taking this passage at face value, it would seem that the prince of Persia is a fallen angel who in some sense had a certain level of authority or influence over the physical kingdom of Persia. In Daniel chapter 10, the prophet is praying about the future of his people and their exile their exile in Persia. A heavenly angel is dispatched with the answer, but this demonic prince of Persia obstructs the messenger, at least for a time. This action would make sense 
as the divine uh, answer involves the overthrow of the Persian Empire. The angelic messenger finally gets some help from the archangel Michael, who is apparently the prince or one of the princes of Israel in this angelic realm. Then the angelic messenger says he's going to face even more spiritual warfare, returning to fight against the prince of Persia. And after that, he's going to face another spiritual enemy, the prince of Greece, Daniel 10.20. Now we do know from history, and it was prophesied back in Daniel before it happened, that after the Persians, the next great world power that would dominate that area would be Greece. Remember the order of those who occupied Israel and many of the surrounding regions. It first was Babylon, and then Persia, and then Greece, and then by the time Jesus comes along, Rome. Okay? Now, as we continue to look at this, as I said, we know from history that order of those powers that would come in and take over. But in this passage, three spiritual entities are mentioned in relation to their three earthly nations. Persia, Greece, and Israel as being the, the, prince of, uh, the prince of Israel being Michael, the archangel. As the New Testament speaks, for example, Ephesians 6.12, I'll paraphrase it, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, the powers of the dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil. It's a real battle that we're in. Paul spoke to that in Ephesians 6. So it seems that as these events play out on earth, there is a corresponding activity in the spiritual realm. Whether or not this spiritual prince of Persia, whether his fate was tied to the physical Persian empire at the time, we don't know for sure. If his job was to keep the Persian empire in a place of dominance over the nation of Israel, he failed. But it should be noted that Modern-day Persia would be basically synonymous with the location of Iran. And the leaders of Iran still want to dominate or obliterate the nation of Israel. That is a, a major issue right now. As a, a Muslim nation that follows what's called the Shiite Muslim, Iran persecutes Christian believers as well. So in that sense... The spiritual prince of Persia is still active today. But as with all of Satan's efforts and his demons, sometimes called his minions, his time is limited. He can only go as far as God will permit. Because God is in charge and he will accomplish his perfect will in all things. So these are my thoughts about Daniel chapter 10. Some of these are very very difficult to wrap our arms around. I'm not going to attempt to claim that I have an insight into them that's particularly uh, <laughs> prophetic or anything like that. I find it to be difficult reading as well. You notice that there are times that the reading in our translation here, our King James translation, it isn't so much that the reading is difficult. In some places it is. But it isn't so much that the reading is difficult, is that the words aren't what's hard. It's the application. It's keeping track of the details. All of the he's that sometimes don't differentiate, which he is that referring to? Is it this person or is it this person? Some of these are just 
the reality that language changes over the years. English has changed over the years. These are among the reasons why we need to be able to use good tools. And I will only say this, the fact that I have a seminary degree, a master's degree from Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, does not make me smarter or wiser. But hopefully it makes me realize that I don't have all the answers. And therefore I need help with good tools to help me understand and apply this. And if I need help, I think it's okay for you to admit that you need help also. One of the problems with an intense loyalty to one Bible translation is it opens up a certain level of pridefulness in Christian believers in which they're not willing to be honest with themselves about our own limitations in understanding some of the 400-year-old Old English language that just doesn't translate well today. Or even dealing with the words that 400 years ago meant one thing, but today really means something that is different. These are all reasons why I believe it's important to use good tools. I'm not attacking the King James Version at all. It's a magnificent translation with a wonderful history behind it. It also does an amazing job of making things expressed in a very poetic manner. But when you're trying to minister to people, you have to be able to say it in their own language. The ability to read an ancient scripture and then to paraphrase it in a way that communicates its meaning accurately and properly, that is a tremendous challenge. And that's something that is beyond my knowledge. If it's beyond my knowledge, my guess is it's beyond most people's knowledge. That's why we need good tools. Don't be afraid to use good tools. And that's really my, my main point here in passages like these. What are the good tools? Well, a number of them are available right on the internet. Sources like BibleGateway.com, BibleHub.com, Blue Letter Bible is another one. These are all things that you can look at in which you can put the King James translation on one side of the screen and then split the screen right there within, within your web browser. And you can look at a paraphrase version and you can look at a Bible commentary and it lines up the verses here and there. I think we always need to use good tools to help us apply. Because if we're relying on English only and we're relying only on our translation, which uses language that we don't use very much anymore, the potential for misinterpreting God's word and misapplying it is so much greater. And that's what I see happen with people who are such ardent King James onlyists. Their zeal to get things right has actually resulted in them inadvertently getting some things wrong. So those are my thoughts on Daniel chapter 10 and on the importance of using good tools. We'll continue next week with Daniel chapter 11 as we push towards the conclusion of this study of this prophetic book. As always, I do appreciate you listening. I appreciate your taking the time and know that Terry and I are praying for you in the week ahead. Take care, God bless you all, and I'll look forward to seeing you again very soon. <music>